Hi everyone and welcome back to episode three of this four-part series and I have with me Tim Radley um, who is owner of VM Unleashed and he's author of Retail in the Meaning Madness and um, which is a book he wrote um, all around retail and there's some fantastic action plans in that and there is really great examples if you're in the retail space you'll get some um, loads of ideas from that. So today we're going to focus on people in retail and I think we've touched on it in the other two previous episodes um, talking about, you know, people and how that feeds into everything on the shop floor and the experience led piece. So good morning, Tim. How are you today? Yeah, I'm not too bad, Louise. Yeah, yourself? Brilliant. Fantastic. Okay, <laughs> nice to be here again and nice to be, uh, you know, with everybody else. So thanks for, for listening and being interested. Yeah. Fantastic. So today, I suppose, is all around people. And I think we both have worked alongside people through the years um, in, in different roles, in different capacities and the importance that brings. And I hear a lot around, you know, employee experiences and and what retailers need to do. And I'm not too sure what's happening in the UK, Tim, but there's a huge, I suppose, um, shift over here where it's, it is hard to retain people in retail. And I think that has always been a bit of a struggle. I don't think it's new um, out of COVID. I think it was always something that was, it was hard to get people to stay in retail um, kind of long-term. And I think the ones that done it really well are the ones that had that great retention or that had those people in it long-term. I suppose, what's your take on it or, or what what do you see as, I suppose, a great um, people journey or a great employee journey or do you have anything you can share, I suppose, on that? Yeah. Um, well, that's a big question. I mean, firstly, I mean, people, you know, retail, most businesses are built on people and retail mm. probably more than most. Um, so, you know, they're hugely important. Um, I think they've been undervalued historically, uh, particularly people down on the, the shop floor. Yeah. Um, I think certainly over here and I think everywhere, COVID and the lockdowns did kind of um, make people, made everybody think twice about how important, particularly the people who work in shops are. Um, we had this thing here, you know, essential. You had essential people. You know, so nurses, you know, doctors and firemen, et cetera, were essential people. But, you know, people who worked in shops were essential people as well. They were classified as essential people. So um, and they were, of course, you know, to keep us fed uh, as much as anything. So that made everybody think. And I think and now we've come through, you know, hopefully the lockdowns, the public I think definitely have an appreciation of physical shops and, you know, the people who work in them. Um, I think undoubtedly the people who run businesses have had a real rethink um, about, you know, the importance of these people who are your brand, you know, and they face the customer day to day. Um, And I think anybody who had this feeling that it was all going to go digital and, you know, just having like cool kind of interfaces and a bit of entertainment, some digital customer service, chat boxes, that was going to do the job. It's part of it for sure now. But uh, 
very much physical shops, physical people. But I also think, um, without answering all your questions at one, the whole of the, you know, the, the structure and all the different people through a business, there's a new way of kind of looking at that whole process now. Um, I think historically retailers were very hierarchical. They were usually begun by, um, how do you, you know, some kind of like leader who maybe was good in buying a merchandising. They could get the product together. And there was this very strong hierarchy. And, um, as you went down that hierarchy very quickly, the people just became doers. You know, and I've been in a lot of businesses in head office as well, where, you know, people in the buying, people in the marketing, people throughout the business are in pigeonholes doing jobs. And the people on high say, you know, this is how it works. This is what we do. This is what I want. You know, and that's kind of the way it happens. And retail, I think, going back quite a number of years, that was quite a that's quite a thing in retail and not a nice thing to see. And so I think it has been changing, as with all businesses. There's now a much, uh, I hope, in the enlightened businesses, a much wider appreciation of people generally, of feedback from people, um, you know, at all levels back up to the top. Um, I like to think there's a kind of a, you know, if traditionally we have a speaking hierarchy, which goes from top to bottom, there's now, or there should be a listening hierarchy, which goes the opposite way. And you're talking about people retention. There's a number of things, you know, which are really important. But I think one is that there is a mechanism in place from, I don't like to say top to bottom, but let's say from shop floor to head office, that, you know, there is a mechanism for feedback, uh, not just negative, but ideas, you know, that goes up to the next level, the next level, the next level, the next level. And then it's kind of condensed in a way for, you know, CEOs, etc. So I think that's really important that people feel they're valued and that they're listened to. In terms of value, you know, there's since lockdown, there's been a lot of particularly the supermarkets where, you know, they've raised the minimum kind of uh, earnings that people are going to get inside their shops. So there is that as well. Um, career progression, you know, is very important. And I think as we go into this, it's how that progression works to keep people doing what they're good at and what they like doing within a business and not just some kind of historical progression that the higher you go up, the closer you get to a big desk as you go up, the more money you get paid. And that is career progression. There are other ways to progress your career. And certainly the younger generations, you know, the the job for life is not really there now. In fact, they don't particularly want the job, job for life. They want to be interested for life and engaged and valued for life. So, um, you know, they, they will move around. They might want to work part-time. Certainly working from home and remote, of course, for everybody is a, is a factor now. So in kind of answer to that question, I think the big points are that I think for a, those number of reasons that people are valued more in retail than they were a few years ago, certainly a couple of decades ago. Um, 
So that's really interesting. And I think for those businesses that really kind of uh, go with that and really support their teams and really get the best from their teams and the best for their teams, you know, there's a, a lot of value in that for sure. Yeah. And I think as you were talking there, I was I was seeing value recognition, which I think is is, is very important. And I think feedback, um, which is one that I, I don't think was done a lot. I think there was probably a lot of feedback given from leadership teams to from a performance management piece or from a, a development piece or whatever that is. But I think um I think the whole thing around getting employee surveys and getting that feedback but getting tangible um actions from that feedback is very important so we're getting that feedback we're looking for whatever areas that we want to improve in in that in the those um that employee life cycle be it from a a an onboarding piece to a you know a career progression piece to a you know a daily interaction piece what does that look like to your head office if there is an issue how do you raise the concern or whatever that might be and coming back with that then and implementing that and I worked for uh, an organization a good few years ago mother care mm-hmm. in Ireland and they done a fantastic uh it, it was my first time actually coming across an employee survey and they had done one and they would do it each quarter and it would be built into the actual store managers uh objectives for that quarter so obviously we had targets and we had stock and um, turnover percentages to hit and different things like that but the survey was based on a temperature gauge of how our employees felt in the workplace. Did they feel heard? Did they feel listened? Did they feel when there was a customer complaint that that manager supported them? Or did they feel unsupported? Was there training what they needed or were they being given training that really wasn't relevant to their job role? Um, And all of these really, really good questions, because I think feedback is only as good as the questions we ask. So, you know, we can have loads of different feedback, but if the questions are pretty, you know, they're not great, we're not going to get back what we need. And it was really interesting. So we'd done that and there was a percentage for each area of that And we looked at, okay, you know, we scored really below the expectation or below the average on this one. And then we created an action plan on that. But we didn't actually, as managers, create the action plan. We actually got someone, a a representative of the team in that store to sit in with that manager and to come up with an action plan. So they were actually involved in that design piece of okay how are we going to tackle what there is an issue here and Mm. they represented the team and then there was an action and but there was buy-in then gotten from the team out of that because there was somebody involved it wasn't the manager looking at it interpreting it their way and you know implementing what they feel was needed again they were getting that input in I think that is so important I think if we are looking at feedback that it's not you know we're not just doing the feedback and then we're taking it and we're running away with it that we're actually getting people involved in fixing the problem and um, not just uh, you know saying there's an issue but actually getting their input into well how how do you think we should tackle this now and and what do you think we should do to make it better so I think what you said there feedback is so important and I don't see it being done a huge amount 
in a lot of retailers and from working in, in, in lots of them. Uh, some of them do it once a year and um, some of them do it if there's big changes made in the organisation. So you'll see some will do it maybe every three to five years and that's in alignment with with where the direction of that business is going from an expansion piece or, you know, from a rebranding possibly. But I think, you know, to me, it's not really enough to be doing it when we're implementing this massive change because me and you both know changes happen regularly, uh, you know, uh, and those little changes have a big impact to those people on, on the shop floor. And we're never going to get that understanding if we don't do that regularly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, it's it's a funny thing. Retailers are seen as dynamic, mm-hmm. you know, largely because their assortment is quite dynamic. But I've actually found that in terms of businesses, they aren't. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a bit of a misnomer. And usually when management want to have a word with you, if you're lower down or in, you're in the shops, it's usually because it's bad news or they desperately suddenly need your cooperation. So I agree, there's got to be this kind of ongoing uh, consultation. And I think that the, the, you know, the annual review is an interesting thing, you know, isn't it? People lower down used to go into those, still do, with some degree of trepidation, having to justify their position, um, fight for wage increases, etc. But I mean, what's been happening over here, which has been called the great resignation, is, again, coming down to supply and demand, which we've talked about, but the supply and demand of good people, you know, just conscientious people, skilled people, etc. You know, the review now should really be and I think you know, young people are confident these days. They, I think, know their value more than historically. So, you know, this kind of review, which shouldn't be annual, you know, that makes it like this big, you know, big uh, event, you know, that it should be an ongoing process. Um, But really is about, as you say, it's two way, you know, okay, what have you been doing? You know, um, customer feedback's good in your shops, et cetera, et cetera. You know, so we're happy with you. How do you feel about us? Well, you know, I'm a bit unhappy because I can't see the direction that I'm going in. You know, I feel I need more training here. So some way it's been forced, but, you know, retailers and bosses are uh, having to kind of listen and make a better environment and, you know, a more positive place for people to work in. So it's, as with all change, some people, some businesses do it because they see it as the right thing to do. Some businesses do it because they see it as the sensible thing to do. And some people, businesses do it because ultimately they have no choice. So in anything and people and people management, you're going to get those three again. Mm. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I was working for a retailer and the Kilkenny Design Store here in Ireland. And I had gone into that business having not worked in certain departments such as jewellery. So I had a fashion background. I'd worked in, uh, you know, mother care, which is obviously baby care products, but I'd never worked in jewellery. And jewellery is a very different market and pottery is a very different market to fashion or, you know, other products. Mm. So we had a meeting with the buyers of the jewellery department and 
of the pottery department. And I remember saying at the time, and I just landed into the business and I was maybe about a month in the door. And I said, there's absolutely no point of me sitting in a meeting when I wasn't here for the previous buy, because obviously they wanted to get feedback from that. And there's no point in me getting feedback from that specialist on that department because I'm relaying it and it's it's not going to land as well as someone that actually knows that as well. So what I decided to do was, and I asked permission um, from at the time the area managers and the head of retail, can we actually get these people that are on the department 40 hours a week to actually sit in on the buying meetings because it would be more beneficial and they might give that insight to the buyer for future buys for that particular store in that particular location in Ireland. So I got them ready. We had conversations. I said, okay, you know, they were a little bit nervous. They were like, I don't really know what to say. So, you know, we had a little bit of a talk through, okay, this is, this is kind of what I, I'm going to be talking about. These are the reports we work off. This is the feedback and we worked together and it was so successful. Those, those conversations, getting those people that were working on the shop floor, shop floor assistance, um, given the buyer's feedback, that it actually had a knock-on effect and they started to do it in other stores and um, locations around Ireland because they seen how, how impactful it is, but how much those frontline staff knew more than, say, that store manager knew. Mm. And I think it's really important, I think, as a manager or a leader of a business or whatever it is, you don't need to know everything. But what you do need to, you need to be vulnerable enough and you need to move the ego out of the way and go, do you know what? I'm actually not an expert in this, but I'm going to give you the person that is and they're going to really drive this for me. And I think it was really, really interesting. Um, And I think it goes back to what you said there when you said, you know, getting that, you know, that there was a hierarchy structure in retail. There still is um, in a lot of ways. I don't think it's gone by any means. I think there's a huge shift in store, but I think from a head office and an in-store, we're still working in silos in many ways. Uh, you know, I might see particular uh, buyers uh, once a year, and that might be at a head office event. Uh, it's not in a, you know, in a capacity of, you know, you're sending me 20 grand worth of stock or 50 grand or 100 grand and I have to sell it, but I've no relationship with you, you know, so I don't really, you know, and, and you can't get that feedback. So I think, we're we're understanding it from a story dynamic, which is important, but I think we still need to learn and grow. And that example I gave there, Tim, was was a was an example I think that a lot of I think a lot of more retailers need to maybe look at doing is is getting those frontline teams involved in getting the feedback for them on it could be a fit of a, a dress or a fit of a product or whatever that might be or what's happening in the changing rooms you know what's happening what are they telling about that collection we got in what's the feedback whatever that might be and getting people involved in that um I think would make a huge difference uh to, to the business but to them as well I think it works both ways absolutely yeah I mean uh, every project I've ever done doesn't really matter whether it was about product or store experience, new shops, etc. Always to insist on a cross-functional team, but always to have store managers and you know retail assistants in the mix as well. Because as you say, you you learn a huge amount from them. I think 
There's a number of things here which have to balance. And I think there's a kind of a hybrid model, but a flexible one, which, you know, going forwards is the way to go, is that um, you need that feedback, as you say, in meetings which are generally higher up the business. So it could be, as you say, product development, or it could be, as we say, new store development, et cetera, logistics. Um, And there needs to be this ongoing input from stores. Um, The traditional way, as I mentioned earlier, might be that you promote somebody. Now, some people might be quite happy about leaving a shop and going into head office and they bring all of their experience you know, from the shop floor. And, you know, constantly you meet people higher up the business and they really love the fact they began on the shop floor. They learned so much, but they're really happy, you know, to have progressed up and now they're working in a senior position, you know, in the head office. Um, so that's that's really good if you have that kind of um, process which then leads on to that kind of uh, career progression. But... I've also met a lot of people who are very experienced in the shop, but they don't want to go into head office. It may be that would be a lifestyle change, but also they like being in shops. They like people. They like that dynamic. They like being with the customer. And that's what they really like. But if they financially want to progress, Sometimes the only way to do this is then to leave what you're really good at and what you love and go up into kind of like a management role. This is not retail. This is ha- happens, you know, across all sorts yeah. of businesses. But if there is this way that you can take the experience of the managers who really still want to be in the shops and they, they, they learn all the time. They never stop learning. But there is this process where they feed in on an ongoing basis physically um, into these kind of meetings, then everybody wins. You know, they become more valued. They have another area of their work. Financially, that should mean that they're rewarded for it. And, you know, the product uh, is going to be better for that, the store experiences, et cetera. So um, this kind of fluidity, you know, there has to be hierarchies. I think hierarchies, you know, if as long as they're kind of generous hierarchies so that, you know, people with more experience feed that down into people with less experience. And mm-hmm. I think if you just take physical shops, there, there should almost be, if you begin at a lower level, you kind of, you kind of spiral up but remain in the shop so you start as an assistant and you maybe you work up to a um you know kind of a, a sub manager then you go up to like a store manager even then possibly re- you know regional manager or something mm-hmm. but by staying in that loop continuously you're learning from the people above you so you're learning from the store manager still, but you're then passing on the knowledge you've gained down to people who are just beginning as the assistant. So um, I think working with people in the shops to ensure that you get this kind of um, very healthy kind of progression, helping those below, help, uh, taking from those above, but then that that continues outside the shop so that it does start to feed into the, the business. I mean, there's three, putting the customer right at the heart of everything 
is kind of, you know, it's one of the big things about being a digital-led retailer these days. And it is so important, and it's a massive benefit to everybody that you don't begin with, this is what I can get, this is the price I can get it for, customer, this is what you're going to have. You know, it really is beginning with the customer in every sense. And, you know, there's a lot of technology involved in this, as there should be. And, you know, you can look at consumer trends. But that doesn't really look at individual people. That's just trends across, you know, markets, different types of customers, products. And then there's more CRM, which is more personalization. So it's looking at individual customers, the data you get from their shopping baskets, from loyalty cards, if you have them. But the element that is missing, which you alluded to, is the feedback from people in the shops who are there face-to-face with the customer. And that's personal. So you go from kind of, you know, general unpersonal data through personalization, but then you really get personal feedback. So in all kind of departments that are doing analysis and kind of customer focused work, you should always have that element. And again, in a permanent way. So it's always been fed back. And it could be that depending on the business, that is personal down to an individual's level. Or again, it just picks up on things that happen in the store that data is never going to pick up. And critically, CRM will generally tell you what has happened. Whereas if you listen to people in the shops, they will tell you what could have happened. And that's something you're never going to get from data. Um, That this could have happened if we had shops that look like this. This could have happened if our stores had been laid out in this particular way. This could have happened if this really nice top hadn't had that awful flower right in the middle of it or whatever, you know, we're talking about. So, um, yeah, I think as we're talking about, the more input that you get from shops into every element in head office is excellent. And particularly this whole kind of real customer focused retail intelligence department, you know, which is, is really becoming the heart and has been for a while in the, in the best retail businesses. Yeah, it's really interesting. And as you were talking there, it's, um, a couple of things kind of jumped out at me and, and it was just, it was really interesting. Uh, I think coming back to what you said there with, it's we no longer have a job for life. Uh, you know, we're very much going to be moving around. And I think it's it's probably more important now than ever to 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 have that temperature gauge on on where your team is at and something you said actually which was around the um you know when we look at sometimes we look at staff retention and we look at employee engagement and we immediately think succession planning so we immediately think well how you know if we have this really great succession plan in place where we have all of the team you know promoting up up and up uh surely that'll you know have that engagement piece have that retention piece and I've seen this in so many places but I think what you've alluded to there which is it and it is very true and, and I've seen it in a lot of uh, businesses I've worked in as a store manager 
sometimes they don't want that responsibility. Sometimes they're quite happy to work part-time. They could have a family at home. They could have young kids. They just want a part-time job to go in in the morning. And they're, you know, that's where they're at in their life. And I think now more than ever, people are looking for a lifestyle. They, They want a certain lifestyle and they're more conscientious of the lifestyle they lead. Whereas I think for a long time, we were very much, you know, you know, in the trenches of it, you know, doing the same thing, getting up, going, going. And I think COVID made us slow down and really look at, well, this is the output, but it's because of this input. So mm. if, I, if I really look at the input I'm putting into um, into this job, well, what is it that I'm really benefiting from it? And, and I don't think it's coming from a place of being selfish. I think it's coming from a place of actually understanding your own value and worth and what you bring into that workplace every day. And I think I think definitely something there around. And there was one business that actually looked at, and you said it there, they they used the annual appraisals actually to give staff the opportunity um, for a pay increase. And they were quite open in that. And that was very clearly aligned and structured with how their department performed um, from a KPI metric, because obviously it had to be, you know, at a certain place financially in order for them to to get the money. So they they ran those appraisals, I suppose, like a, a real like a business would be ran, not like from a HR or from the manager likes you sort of thing. It was really clear if you can make this much money in your in your concession or your brands that you have there and you know you're you're going over this percentage, you know, um we're actually going to look at giving you an increase of this percentage, which I think is 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 a way of really structuring it in a fair way for many people. And yeah, and, and I've seen the benefits of that. And going back to what you said there, I don't ever think that anyone should go into an annual appraisal and have any surprises given to them. And any business I've worked in, I used to say that to people, if you ever work for a manager and if you're sitting in an appraisal and if they say something you're not expecting them to say, I can tell you for a fact that they're not doing their job properly because you should always go into that and know what's going to come out of my mouth because I've already actually vocalized it with you because you should always have that understanding. So it's not a, I'm going to come in now and tell you that you didn't do this or that you should have done that because the onus is on me to have communicated that to you throughout that process to give you time to, to fix it or to learn it or to understand it better. So I think it's it, it's really true in what you said there. And I think it's a two-part process. You know, it's 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 very much around and I and I seen it being done really well, Tim. And I'll give this an ex, as an example. I worked somewhere before and we would have the annual appraisal and it would be what Louise thinks, uh, for example, Tim uh performance is like, and then Tim would have to write down what he thinks his performance is like, okay? Now, the whole point of this is that we should be really on the same the same place, really, um, if I've been giving you the right feedback or whatever that might work, or you should be telling me where it is, you know, you think you should be at. So, you know, you tell me what's written down. I tell you what's written down. And if there's a variance or a gap, then we have a discussion on that to understand why that exists. 
And I think those are that kind of, and you, you said that earlier, that two-way process, I think, is really super important. And I loved that idea what you had around the CRM programs because I've worked with a lot of CRM programs, which were, you know, all around that, you know, that customer relationship. But I think we have external and internal customers and the external customers are obviously the ones on our CRM base, but our internal customers are the employees in our business. And they're the brand advocates. They're the ones that are telling their friends and family, come and shop in mother care, come and shop in next, come and shop in Marks and Spencer's, whatever retail store that might be. And I think sometimes we forget that those marketeers, those people that are driving our brand awareness are actually in our in our store already and we're paying them a wage and I think we're forgetting you know how important they are to grow our brand just as much as that customer is coming through the door absolutely it's an interesting thing in the summer this is not the right time of year particularly but if you go around the high street or shopping center and you see uh, people obviously work in the shops whether they're actually wearing their uniforms out and about or not and it comes largely from, you know, are they proud? Do they do this job because they need the money, but actually they're never really that keen on telling people where they work and what they do and when they go out, you know. Um, and the, there's the ones who are walking around, you know. Think of the retailers and the uniforms that you see people walking around really quite proud about, you know. Um, do you wear, you know, the company you work for on the outside of your um you know, uniform, or is it on the inside kind of hidden away? So that's always a good test. I think HR departments, I've worked with some businesses in recent years who are, some are very traditional, some are uh, quite advanced. I think that whole ethos behind HR, what their role is, has completely changed in the best businesses to the point now where you get some significant companies where the CEOs and the COOs are from HR which is kind of like you go back that would never happen you come from buying a merchandise and you come from you know strategy <clears throat> excuse me so this whole kind of importance of people and this HR department is not just the old Hiram and Firem, which is what it used to be but it's thinking about you know the structure of the business Yes, from a practical point of view, do we have all the positions filled? Do we need, what do we need to actually make the company just operate in a good way? And then what other services, what other things do we want to do that we need additional people for? How do they work together? You know, creating teams, uh, inclusion and diversity, you know, that we, we get a really good broad, uh, view of people opinions from different angles um, and as you say that they know them that HR has sufficient resources itself so they actually know the people they know their benefits they know their skills they listen to them they know where they would fit in other places in the business to work together so this whole kind of you know man management of your workforce rather than just having a chart and just saying, yes, we have someone here and someone in this place and somewhere in this place, um, you know, has changed beyond recognition. KPIs you were talking about there, which is an interesting one. So I do kind of tours 
uh, around London with various businesses. And uh, we went on one this summer and we ended up going down Tottenham Court Road, a whole variety of uh, different retailers. It's interesting because I went, I kind of usually go and I talk to store managers. Is it okay if we come in and we have a chat, etc.? Uh, interestingly enough, you get the ones who are very open and want to tell the world how great their business is. And you get the ones who say, if you're not going to buy anything, <laughs> don't come in. So that's a good benchmark to begin with. But also afterwards, you say, you know, how can we, how can I help? You know, thank you for, you know, talking to us, et cetera. Um, you know, and it is the feedback. Because that's so important, quite rightly, in those businesses. So it might be trust pilot review, it might be a, a Google review, uh, it might be an email to somebody senior in their business. But most often than not, it's the reviews. And I think what also came across was the ones that are not helpful, so they don't give a very good face to the customer or the ones where sales is the only KPI that matters. The other ones, not only is it the feedback, <coughs> excuse me, that is really important in terms of stars and reviews, but, and there's, again, details. So these people, they're on their business card, they're brand ambassadors, so they're not uh, store managers or sales assistant. So that's a good starting point. I'm talking to a brand ambassador. I have personal details of how I can contact them in the shop. So it's not some anonymous switchboard that's going to take me to a generic kind of person who's never been to the place that I'm actually in. So these are all good. Um, but they're not paid necessarily on sales. Their job is that when somebody comes into the shop, they are, you know, they sell the brand, they sell themselves, they're enthusiastic, you know, they are uh, happy to be where they work. And so they leave a very positive um, perception in the customer's mind about the brand and make you think, I want to, you know, kind of buy from this retailer. And these can be, I mean, one example was quite an expensive furniture brand where there's clearly a lot of training, uh, a lot of attention to detail on un uniform, how you look, how you speak. But even so, this personality shines through. But then you get other retailers. Uh, we've talked about Lush before, you know, where, you know, all of the sales assistants are just so helpful, enthusiastic. They know all about the brand because the brand's interesting. So they're, as you said, advocates inside the shop, but also outside as well through their social media. I guess if it's almost if there's one thing harder to get people to use their social media to tell people about the business, it's trying to get them to stop using their social media to tell them about the business. So it's going to happen. Yeah. So you know, the more, the better you treat people, the happier they are about their brand, it's going to come out anyway, you know, mm. to lots of people. So, um, you know, that's great informal marketing for any brand. Yeah. Now, yeah. Having these, you know, people who are happy, engaged, they like where they are working, they're listened to constantly, as you say, they're reviewed on other things other than just the money they make. You know, mm -hmm. if you look after the people, the money will look after itself. 
to a certain extent, but it certainly doesn't do any harm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really interesting. And there was there was actually just touching on what you said there, there was there was a time when you could not have your phone on the shop floor. Um, and it is the case in some in some retailers, but there was one retailer that I worked as a manager in, and it was Woody's DIY here in Ireland. And it's it's quite similar to being Q over in in the UK. And they launched this uh, app called Kudos app um, and Kudos is like, you know, well done, you know, whatever that might be. Thank you or you're very good or whatever. And the Kudos app was an app. Uh, it was designed for internal use only. So it was just for the staff in Woody's that use this Kudos app. So you download it on your phone. And if I come into the shop um, as, a, as a manager and I seen there was a really great display that one of the team done because they got in a delivery of it could have been they got a, a shipment in of rugs and maybe we don't have the merchandise in packing yet because actually it came in early but we need to get the stock out because we don't want it sitting in the warehouse and one of the team come up with a really inspirational display um, we would actually take a picture of that display on that Kudos app and we would hashtag one of the brand values. So one of the values was inspiration. And um, so we go hashtag inspiration. Uh, Tim has really taken the lead um, and inspiring today from a VM perspective because of the display that he's done or whatever that might be. And it was just really interesting because it really engaged the team. But what it done was it didn't, Louise, the manager, didn't need to do this Kudos. The team done it with each other. So what that then done was it created this kind of culture within the business whereby it wasn't only the manager giving feedback, you know, it was also the team. So it was nearly becoming part of their language and the way they discussed things because I think for a long time feedback was seen as as you said there oh, it's negative or why are they give me feedback and and people can take it personally and I think what the kudos app done was by using the hashtag and and wrapping that feedback around a value because it was a value-based business and when we looked at these you know and from a customer experience from a team experience it really made people understand what that was all about and that it wasn't personal that it was about the business and you know it's about creating these experiences within the team but it also motivates the team within themselves and it was really really nice to see um, and something that I haven't actually seen in a lot of other businesses but uh, it was really really interesting I absolutely loved it and I would love to see more of that uh, you know it doesn't have to be on that scale of an app but something similar uh, you know you can do with within the teams I know one place I worked we would do an employee of the month and the manager couldn't pick so we'd go to a vote ballot in the shop I used to manage and I would say who do you think deserves it now there had to be real warranted reasons obviously it couldn't be because uh you know Mary is my best friend you know it had to be warranted examples so you know what I was stuck on the till uh there was a girl gone in lunch and I need to go off the floor to the stock room uh you know so and so came over and helped me serve the lady or the people in the queue um, and I got a compliment but it was because of that colleague helped me out and um, because it was another girl on lunch things like that uh that really support people in their day-to-day -day, uh that worked as well I just think there's so many ways that we can um ways that we can look at doing things Tim it doesn't have to be a big fancy thing it can be through the budget we can do things as well um on a low-cost budget to engage people I think um in the workplace a lot more absolutely I mean it's about caring um 
as there are springs to mind, um, I was looking at them a while ago, the way they use their different kind of social media as a business channels. So, you know, some of the channels are very corporate, very commercial because of the people who are looking, you know, for example, at the website or wherever. But the Facebook for Asda was almost totally about people in the shops and the things they were doing. So there were lots of lots and lots of pictures of people who'd, you know, been out doing half marathons, raising money for local charities, um, you know, how they'd helped the customer, customer feedback of being in shops. Um, and within that as well, you had, you know, store person of the month, uh, this person of the month, friendly, you know, there were lots of kind of informal awards. But the whole of that site was about people, customers, people who work in the shops. And I hope that, you know, it was kind of up there as a big screen in the head office when you kind of come out the lift to get to the, you know, the uh, the top floors and whatever, that you are not looking at some corporate video of how great, this is not just Asda, but any business yeah. is, but you get in that feedback about, you know, not only what great people you have in your business, but the advocacy that is going out. The marketing, which is going around, you know, Facebook and Twitter and wherever about, you know, what great people there there are in your shops. I um, in terms of how, you know, we've talked about physical and we've talked about digital and how those channels work together. And for me, the fact that a successful shop, now, a physical shop is what I call a personal destination retailer, a shop. So it could be that. Um, it could be part of a big chain. It could be an independent or anything in between. But the fact is that there is something about that shop which makes it a destination for you uh, to go when you go into your local town or you know, even if it's a bit more of a journey. So it has to have something personal and it has to be a destination. And the key to that, I think, is the people. You know, you have to have people in there who are um, part of the community. They're part of their own community within the shop, but they're also part of a community of customers. And ultimately, that becomes one group of people. Because, in fact, you know, you're working it one day, you're a customer the next, or, you know, you know the families. So it's people who take that, you know, that community and enlarge it people your whole kind of potential customer base in that town becomes part of the community of that shop and that can only be done with people and you know that's where all the reviews come from and that's where you know sites like that as the site I was talking about become so powerful because they they just create this community of people and that's where you know commercial success will come from yeah that's been it's been such it's been such a great chat Tim and the time has totally run away and um, we could literally I could stay talking about this all day long we're there already are we okay I know it's it's flown by but it's just one of those conversations honestly we could keep going all day it's been fantastic there's been really great um pointers that we've actually just touched on and I'm just going to recap on them um at the end of this episode and that is 
we talked about value in your staff. We talked about recognition programs. Do you have one in your business? Um, and if not, is it something you can look at? Um, we looked at people are your brand advocates and we talked about brand ambassadors and the importance of that. So maybe changing the language around that from your onboarding or recruitment, maybe setting that tone there and um, that we're not just managers, we're, we're at brand advocates. Um, looking at the structure in your business, how easy is it for those frontliners to give feedback to those um, in head office um, from a buying perspective or logistics? Um, do they know the challenges that they have um, in the business? It could be logistically, how the delivery has been taken in, whatever that might look like, that there could be some really great learnings or feedback gotten from that. We don't in a lot around feedback and I think that's important um, for a business to grow and it's also important to get that and be quite um, proactive instead of reactive and I think you spoke about that in the CRM programs you know we're, we're getting that data after that has happened let's maybe take a different approach to be more proactive and and getting those learnings from the team before it transcends down to the customers to have that experience right internally so then it will project out externally which I think is important we talked we looked at um and you spoke about it bottom to top so i think again looking at how we can get that feedback and, and what that looks like and how easy it is actually and um, to reach those in those different um cross-functional roles within the business we talked about wages and career progression and we talked about you know if someone does want to move into a role and um, and if they don't want that title of manager and um, how easy is it for them to stay in that business long term um, and, and what does that financial piece look like? Looking at annual appraisals, looking at succession planning um, and, and how good is that in your business? And I, we give really great examples today around that. Um, we talked around KPIs. We talked around um, CRM programs. Loads of great things there and loads of examples. Um, so have a listen back and definitely check Tim out. He's quite active on LinkedIn. Um, so Tim Radley and uh, listen, listen to some of his art or have a, have a watch of some of his articles out there because there's really, really great ones. He's quite active in his articles and his book is Retail in the Meaning Madness. Thank you so much, Tim, for coming on um, to this really good episode today. No, that's fantastic. That was a big list of things we talked about, which actually shows how important HR is, because HR now has to deal with all of those issues, you know, and in a very empathetic empathetic and engaging way with everybody who's in the business. So if anything, it shows the value of a new role for HR uh, in, in all businesses and retailers in particular. But yeah, my pleasure as always, Louise, and uh, to anybody else, as I say, thank you for listening and uh, we'll see you next time, I think. Yeah, we'll see you next time for episode four. Thanks, everyone. Thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye.